Hey, this is the Low Key Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Keith, and I'm here with Aaron Lantern. Yo, how's it going? And Tim Malloy. How are you doing? All right, good, good. So um, we got a special treat for you guys today. Today we're going to talk about um, Amazon's new streaming show, Carnival Row. It's pretty interesting. It's a, it takes place in, what is it, like a Victorian London type of setting that um, throws us in a world where there's a mixture of um, humans and fantasy creatures, such as the fae, and you have different type of fae. It seems like you have the pics, which are more like these little sexy fairy people. Um, <laughs> the pucks, which look like... Um, what like you call rams. Them? Like, yeah, like a fawn or something like that or whatever. And I also noticed that there were some centaurs running around, but they didn't really get no playtime, so... There was that. And um, I don't know. I mean, I, from from what we got from from what I got from the story, it deals a lot with um, it's an allegory for racism and um, slavery, slavery. Um, a little, little bit, I, I feel like they're going to throw in some um, little bit of I'm not going to say that because that's a big, big spoiler. But um, I know you guys only watched a couple of episodes why I went on and went through all of them so um, like a trooper so what did y'all think from the two episodes that y'all did watch before I spoil it for everybody so I got through three just to be clear three and, and, and three is where it really picks up uh, where you start to see the background uh, between Vignette and um, and uh, is it Rycroft or um, they call him Philo well, that's true. Yeah, they call him by his last name. Um, between Orlando Bloom's character and Cara Delevingne's character. Um, oh, look at Aaron knowing the first name of, of Mr. Philostrade. Philostrade? Um, <laughs> very impressive. Very impressive that you knew the first name of Mr. Philo. That was, yeah, very clutch. I'd like to thank IMDB for that. <laughs> uh, however, uh, but no, it, it was, um, I'll just say, you know, there are a lot of things about the show that really... Uh, we're impressive. Uh, and what was so funny is, you know, as you described it, Keith, you know, you know, you kind of say Victorian said and so on and so forth. Whatever world we're in, they mention it as the seventh century. And there's a lot of early on in the world building uh, mentioned that humans um, as a civilization, however you want to put it, are much younger than the the Fae and other known um species uh, of this world um although the humans have definitely gone into use their pursuits in you know building weapons of war they've also uh, built a better train than we have today that runs through the whole city which is pretty cool <laughs> yeah. shout out to new york yeah yeah but it, it's it's like um I, I was really impressed with the world building i thought they did a really great job there and it, and it feels um you know, very much like a Victorian setting, setting something that that's familiar, but somehow very, very different. Yeah. Also, like that, it have an element of like a, a whodunit type of thing, where you, um, throughout the story, they're trying to solve these murders that's happening. Um, where there's been, I, I think at the beginning there was a few fae that were being murdered. Right. And it went from that to like people being ripped apart by this creature. Mm -hmm. And um, 
<clears throat> I, I think once you do find out what the creature is, it's called a, a dark asher. And you find out that it's controlled by another person. It, it does get a little interesting, but I kind of saw it coming. What did you mm-hmm. guys think about the pacing of the show? Um, I started off thinking this is really slow and I'm not really excited by this world. And I appreciate all the world building that they did. I appreciate that they just plunge you into it and that it's all these bizarre names like Vignette Stone Moss and Imogen Spurnrose and... They really seem committed to this strange world. But at the same time, this world is not for me. Like, I just don't really enjoy hanging out in this world. But then after the first episode, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to watch the second episode after all. And now I finished the second episode, and now I'm like, I think I might watch the third episode. So it is doing what it's supposed to do, where it crept up on me. And I have kind of gotten immersed in it without even wanting to. Because at the beginning, I was definitely like, this is cool. I respect what they did, but it's not my cup of tea. Right, right. It does take its time. And, you know, I want to, I do want to give it credit for really attempting to world build. I mean, the thing that's so funny is, see, shows like uh, A Downton Abbey, they've not like really gripped me somehow. And I can't like really explain why. But if you can keep me in there for long enough, I start getting back into that mode of like, remember how these people speak? Like when, um, uh, oh my God, I can't remember his name. So there's that that um, the guy who is I forgot what they call them, but like the 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 people who are not human and they have like the the ram like head and he, and this the, the yeah. So the guy who moves next door, he's black. Mr. And he what's his name? Mr. Agreus. Agreus, yeah. So he moves in next door. He, he's he's one of the black people that are not human. And they, you know, they doing the regular, oh, oh, well, you know, we don't want him around here. And Tim, I, you know, Keith and I have been those people in the neighborhood. So we, <laughs> it's kind of, I know what they, you know, it, it's funny to know people are saying it, but then kind of see how it, they showed it play. I was like, oh, okay, that's what they be saying. Huh? But um, the way he, he was uh, giving the business to, to, um, Oh my God! What's her name? Damn, I can't even think of her name right now. I got it right here. Her name is Imogen Spurnrose. Yes, it's just really hard to say her first name, Imogen Spurnrose. All the names are a little tricky. Uh, Yeah, she's played by Tamsin Merchant. I've got a list. I've got a list in front of in front of me of all these names. I got the list too. I can't say that. But, I, man, I actually really liked her as an actress. I, it seemed like there were some things she was kind of doing on screen that weren't particularly in the script all the way. Uh, like when um, uh, Vignette, uh, Cara Delevingne's character, is with her. Like one of the first things she's serving her, I think it's like coffee or something. And, and she asked her to like dip the milk, but she didn't do it all the way. And she was like, oh, no, no, like I need you to like do that correctly. Like tip it in there the way I want it. Oh, no, no, not, not too much, though. And she's just such a bitch. It's just so funny. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I think I hang with my wife too much. She loves things like that. Yeah. <laughs> that, um, I hate that you guys didn't see, because that, that's some of the interesting, most interesting character arc in the, in, the, um, in the show is the relationship between those characters. Well, um, you know, I, yeah. I, I felt it coming because her uh, Imogen's care, uh, excuse me, her brother, it, it it's really doing this interesting thing where they go way out of the way to show how the Fae have turned into... Oh, we really need to talk a little bit more in detail about the world in, in which 
the Fae are almost like in a slave trade kind of situation. Well, but to, the thing to, to go back like, to go, what, ahead, go ahead. to go back to what Keith said before we go there, mm-hmm. um, I know I know what Keith is going to say about where that dynamic goes with Imogen and Mister Agrius, the the black puck who moves in next door, who she uh, doesn't like and really doesn't like. Uh, I read where that relationship goes, but also it's so obvious where that relationship is going to go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I can. I can see it coming. I don't even know where it's going, but I know where it's going. It was like sexual tension all over the place. <laughs> she want that man so bad. Like that was a point. That was a point where I was like, this is kind of like the beginning of a porn scene. <laughs> oh yeah. In, in the in the uh, in the rain. It's it, but it's like a long drawn out version of what happens in porn. You know, if you were to make like a, a eight episode porn series, <laughs> the sex only happened in the seventh episode. <laughs> like, they're patient to watch that type of pornography. You got it, Carnival but, Row has. But you know, Victorian, um, Victorian novels, like specifically ones that were okay. So look, I'm not about to say. All right. Keeping in mind, anybody listening, before you, you jump down our throats about this, I'm somebody who used to be very, very, very well-versed in the women writers of the time of the 19th century. I'm saying this knowing what I'm what I'm talking about and not trying to say anything about women of today. But somebody used to write these novels, a lot of them, um, a lot of stuff was, like, very softcore. So, like, they could talk about, like, a candle dripping wax for, like, 10 pages, but it's just, like, supposed to be really erotic. Um, these sort of conversations, these back and forth between, like, for example, um, oh my god, I can't remember all the characters' names in Pride and Prejudice no more, but like a Mr. Darcy and the main character in Pride and Prejudice, I can't think of her name. Anyway, um, these things were always dripping with sexual tension throughout. And it, I mean, they obviously weren't very blunt about that, but like, those back and forth, that's what it was about. So when I'm watching these scenes, I'm like, I'm peeping game. I'm like, okay, I see what they're doing. That's, <laughs> that's pretty funny. So yeah, sharing I, an I umbrella. Know. How erotic. And <laughs> <laughs> she's dripping wet. It's just, it's just how they it's how they kind of get go go at each other. I'm like, oh yeah, they about to get down. Like I just felt it. And I was I like, was excited for it too. It it was kind of like one of the things where it's like, if I wrote this, they would be getting it on. You know what I'm saying? You just would have got there quicker. Am I sick? Yeah, it would have happened like way sooner. You know what I'm saying, but you know, we got a little bit of it. Um, then we also see a little human in in fairy sex, which is pretty cool. You know? Oh man, like <laughs> they 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 love, love and look. Even just the the three episodes I saw, they all about giving you the fairy sex. And I, <laughs> man, did they, you feel did you feel that they unnecessarily fetishized fairies in the show? So, all right, that, that's kind of what it's like. <laughs> I, I I don't know. Like, am I supposed to feel like it, it, it's a fetish, a fetishization, or am I supposed to just be like, well, they just like getting into? It? I don't know. Like, there was this moment in the third episode where like uh, uh, Philo and Vignetta getting it on, and he was like, "Your wings didn't glow that time." Now, she was mad. And, well, not mad, but she was like, you know, what's going to happen after the war, all this stuff. And, and she clearly wasn't as into it. And he asked her something about it. But they, they do take a moment, like, in the camera to, like, show it. Like, he recognized that he was somebody different. And, and not, like, necessarily on some exotic, 
whatever. Maybe it's like that. Maybe it's not. But did something like that there? I don't know. It, I mean, it's done with purpose, though. You know? Yeah. From a, di- a directorial standpoint, it's done with purpose. You you know what I always think that's interesting about worlds like this? And I think we had talked about it when we saw, um, when we did a review on Bright a while back. Yeah. Is that like in these worlds, it seems like so you still got white people and black people and other different ethnicities of humans. But it seems like there is no type of racism amongst them because now they're so focused on this whole other race. And so they're, you know, they discriminating against them. But one thing that Carnival Row does, like later on, they do mention a history of humans discriminating on people of, of a darker skin tone. Interesting. So, so they, you know, they don't call them like black or whatever. They say like, you know, um, this. So it was this um, one character that y'all haven't came across yet in the story, but she pretty much was telling the story about her mother and how she came from like the desert lands, where like her people were treated like outcasts when they came to the birds, which is where this takes place at. And she said that they were discriminated against because of the color of their skin. Gotcha. Okay. But then what? Uh-huh. the whole concept was like, now that they're able to all live in harmony and they're no longer considered to be outcasts, could the same thing be said with the faith in the future? So with that in mind, look, can we start from the beginning for just a moment? You you begin with the action, the the fear, the the kind of like just chaotic sense of like what the world is like. I, I kind of didn't get a good feel of like what was happening. And I still feel like I don't totally know. Like so Vignette is taking people from whatever the fairy world is and they're running from the pack which i still don't know who those people are yet completely as of episode three but they're running from them they're shooting a lot of them down well so like that's what was interesting so like these people were meant to kill the fae and she was trying to get a lot of them off of that land and then take them to these ships so that they could go to um the, the bird the, what the bird yeah and, you know, a lot of this area, you Which know, is, has discrimination all throughout it. But the thing is, when when you're fake and you go to the Berg, you are somehow tagged to a human who owned your rights or something. Like, it wasn't completely clear to me, like, what the rights of people were. So it was like you would go from, like, a war-torn place to just basically almost like being a slave or some sort of prostitute or doing some sort of job that wasn't going to be great. And occasionally you have somebody like a Grayus who would somehow rise up the ranks to have riches. They um they were more indentured servants than slaves. Because they they had like a certain mm-hmm. um debt that they had to pay off. I don't know who, who decide what the debt is, but once it's paid off, then they're free from it. Because we find out later, I did see that, yeah. Yeah, because that that's we find out later on that's how part of how Grayus, Mr. Grayus made his riches. Okay. He, he hunted down um Faye that did not complete their contracts. Okay. Oh wow. Cause he at one point had a contract and he fulfilled his contract and I forgot what they called the people that hunt him down, but that's part of how he made his fortune. 
was pretty much turning his own people in. Well, I mean, but that's what was so interesting too. Even how Vignette put it, though, like she she got her people out of war, but then basically put them into indentured servitude. I mean, the problem with indentured servitude, though, as we saw with her, is you don't really have any rights. Right. So if somebody ran up on you and tried to force themselves on you, like um, what's his face did, um, the brother master spurn rolls. <laughs> But yeah, so like when he tried to force himself on her, I mean, she doesn't have any recourse and he could say whatever and people will believe him over her, which, you know, I mean, it, it's just a precarious situation if someone who's a human wants to make your life miserable. And and that's the thing I think for her was kind of disheartening. And just like, OK, did was it just like a freak accident that that boat got screwed up? I'm yeah, just asking this that, as a spoiler that, at this point. That felt like the opposite of plot armor. That felt like the plot needs something bad to happen, so it's going to happen. Here we right. go. Yeah, so that she can be shipwrecked and be the only person to survive. So, yeah, that was. I did. I mean, okay. Honestly, the only person to survive thing felt unnecessary. I didn't know why that happened. Like, why couldn't like ten people survive? Like, well, how was it going to change her story? Yeah, there were a couple things in the first like. 15 minutes of the show that made me mad and the first was she saves that woman by stopping the like pig dog or whatever that's chasing them <laughs> and it's like that's like a save the cat classic thing where like you're gonna like this protagonist because they're gonna do something heroic in the first like five seconds and then you also see him you see um you see rycroft or philo as we're calling him because we're friends we see philo like break up that bad thing with the cops who are harassing that girl um and then you see her like being the only survivor on the ship just all these like little plotty things that felt a little as long as we're going to spend this much time building this world i felt like they could have given us a little more time to get to know these characters and let yeah. us decide if we like them yeah don't don't show them as being good guys off the wham um so, also i mean that, that that took some hella strength by the way like I, okay if you're going to have a fay if you, in the first 2 minutes you're going to show me a fay taking out i don't know what kind of uh, dog. It wasn't a dog, dog. It was like it's a, a. It's a dog pig. No, nah, but you know those things were humans, though. Remember? I mean, but worth. Okay, so that's the thing. I, I didn't. All right, you got to keep in mind. Like, I saw the third episode. I didn't know that was a werewolf. I mean, was it a werewolf? Because they had been chains and, and humans were running them around with them. Oh, they were in chains. Okay, so they must was something different. But they were something different. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, it wasn't were, a werewolf. Those were ROUSs. Those were rodents of unusual size. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, Thanks, everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but thing is, that was a look. Even if it was a wolf, and she like took a chain and like broke a wolf's neck, that's not like some regular old strength. I'm assuming Faye at this point like got like some slick, you know, just just some above human strength. And then like at least in three episodes, well, two episodes after that, I didn't see any of that. I was like, oh, okay, well. I mean, was that like a fluke or like what what happened there? Adrenaline. I get. I mean, but she ripped its throat off. Like <laughs> what a chain. Like it just it was a lot of strength, man. So I was I was like, oh, not only can they fly. Also, hey man, if I can fly, right? I, I don't, there was just some stuff that happened in the beginning. I was kind of like, am I just like missing something? Like, is it like limited flight? Like, do they need to be flying high? Because that would let them shoot you easy. I don't know. It was just weird shit happening. But oh yeah, on that part, I don't know why they weren't flying. 
But um, I know that they don't fly in the birds. It's illegal to fly. Well, yeah, in the birds is illegal. But on some, when it's talking about they trying to like knock your ass off and you in trees, how the fuck they gonna shoot you? I mean, some of them could shoot you through trees, sure. But then like even when they got out to the cliff area, I'm thinking, all right, it make more sense to like fly low than right. it does high. Yeah. Whatever. All right, I'm not doing a bunch of judging here, if, like team by scene on this, but like some of that was did seem kind of flimsy at the beginning. I'm sure that they're smart enough and they've thought of all this that they will go back and justify it at some point. I'm just saying that it like made a poor first impression on me. But again, it's yeah. grown on me. I'm probably gonna keep watching it despite it myself. <laughs> yeah, the, this the world does grow on you a little bit, and it still has its own mysteries. Like even the religion is kind of strange, but kind of familiar at the same time. So you eventually find out that Philo grew up in an orphanage, right? Okay. And so at one point in time, he goes to the orphanage because the headmaster is murdered by the dark asher. When okay. There, Did oh, he know that? Or he uh, he learned this later? Do we know that is he was murdered by the dark asher? Or did he are, are you saying it, it, that Philo, that the dark asher killed the headmaster while he was a child? No, 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 no. He kills him later on. So. Okay, okay, okay. All right, all right. I was like, what? All right, so go ahead, one, go ahead, go ahead. One of the interesting things that you start to find out later on is that everybody that is murdered is collect connected to Philo. Oh. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a whole mystery behind that. But the reason why I was bringing up the, the orphanage is that they have, like, a hanging man throughout the orphanage. And I don't know if they show him any in the older episodes, and they keep talking about the modern. So I guess this is like this world's Jesus Christ or something. But what's weird, it just looks strange that they have a statue of a man hanging from a noose. And then I thought about it for a second. Mm. It made me think that in a way, if I wasn't familiar with Christianity, Mm -hmm. the image of a man crucified on the cross would be kind of alarming also, right? Of course it would. I mean, I had to think outside of myself <laughs> to realize. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if that was done on purpose or was it just me just thinking too hard? Because when you first see it, I'm like, is that an actual person hanging like from a noose? And people Let just me... pass it like. So, not- Tim, with Keith, you just brought up something really interesting. I had to ask this question just like in a in a very broad way to Tim specifically, though, being the white person on, on the podcast. <laughs> Hot seat. Yeah. Do uh, white people, when, when they see shows like this done in this way, with white people put in similar situations of uh, indentured servitude, do they see themselves in any way in these characters in any way that's meaningful, do you think? Do they walk away and go, huh, wow, that must have been something like what it was like to have a situation like that, and that somehow makes me more sympathetic to whatever okay this is a complicated answer speaking for every single white person yes thank you for that i'm going to say i think even if you're watching a movie where someone is of a different race or is a different gender or whatever i think you're innately programmed to side with the person who's the prisoner as opposed to the jailer or whoever it is i think like it's innately human when you're watching a story to side with the person who is the underdog whoever it is. And I think hopefully 
I don't know. I don't know if I'm right about this, but I feel like from a storytelling standpoint, if you're watching 12 Years a Slave, you're siding with the slave rather than siding with the master, no matter what your ethnicity. And maybe you, maybe you empathize in some ways with both in a way. And you're like, that guy looks like me, but would I be like that? I would be different. Um, so yeah, the short answer is yes. I think that they definitely, definitely empathize with the indentured servant and things like that. I think you try to be like that person and you're afraid that you're like the, the keeper of the servants. You feel you're afraid you're like uh, Imogen. Yeah, you want to be even yet because you want those eyebrows. Um, <laughs> but you're afraid you're Imogen. And then you kind of check yourself a little bit and, and think about, you know, who am I actually? It's kind of interesting to see her own realization that she, to some degree, while not an indentured servant, does not have agency. Imogen. In the second episode. Yeah. Because yeah. remember when her brother basically comes clean and actually we're broke as fuck. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I'm going to go get another loan. And then she was like, uh, so I've never, ever heard. <laughs> it was funny because I just wasn't used to saying it this way when she said collateral. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just never heard collateral like in a Victorian setting. Yeah. Well, she was like, so what are you going to use the collateral for this loan to try to, you know, make up for all these losses? And he's like, the house. And she's like, the house? Well, that's stupid. <laughs> and, uh, and he's like, I'm the master. I get to make the decisions. And she's like, oh, shit. I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can see it kind of like the, go over her face like, wow, like my timeline just really sped up here. <laughs> like, right. And then I was like, she's going to go try to get some McGray's. <laughs> you know the other thing I was thinking about and you kind of brought this up but in terms of who do you empathize with every time I see one of these scenarios where they're like it's about immigration but it's with Fonz and Faye now do you see why you shouldn't be racist like, yeah like does that does that work for anybody like is there any, I don't know see that's what I mean I don't know is there anybody out there who is like has an easier time like empathizing with Puck than they do with like an immigrant from Syria. Like, okay, is there say, anyone on say, earth say, like well, that? Well, hold on. You're still using the wrong example, though. You're using Puck. Well, picks then. Well, or, I'm sorry. That might be derogatory to the fan. <laughs> Yo, was like, that? I, felt, I felt like racist when I said it. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Can I say that? Um, the the no. derogatory word for the fan is a crit. Oh, oh, yeah. oh Keith. God, it's yeah. like saying yeah. Redskins. Oh, oh God, God. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> No, okay, I'm not even saying it like to, to be funny. I actually did not mean to say it when I said it. You said it in uh, you said it in quotes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. In quotes. Like like, you know, the, like the Washington football team. Yeah, but, um, but like who is the person who can empathize with like Cara Delevin's character and then is like, now I get it. Now I need to treat people better. I, I think there are people I guess so here's the thing. I, I'm not I wasn't posing the question earlier to be like sarcastic I, I feel like it it will have that that role for some people and i do appreciate that the showmakers uh is that is that what's the word i'm supposed to be using here showrunners thank you jeez what the hell am i talking about um i appreciate them going out of their way to really try to drive a lot of those points home and the people who creatively have put this show together i do think they put some real thought into this um, it was interesting to see the way, and I think it might just simply be a coincidence. I, you know, I don't know when Carnival Row, um, like the origin of its script, 
but the sort of the immigration discussions and the politics around the show, um, while different, are very similar to what we're seeing today about, you know, the jobs and whose place it is and all this kind of shit that we're seeing in real life today. I got some uh, intel. Want some intel? Let's go for it. So there was, this is actually based on a film script by one of the creators, Travis uh, Beecham, and he wrote, he wrote a script uh, back in 2005 that is pretty different from the show. There's some things that are the same. There's some things that are different. But it's very similar in terms of like making this uh, parallel with immigration. Interesting. Like very oh. similar. Like there's somebody who's actually giving a speech, a character who's the mayor's wife, who gives a speech that says, you know, fully one third of this city are Faye and Fawn and whatever. Um, I might be getting the names of the things wrong. Sorry. Right. But right. basically making the point that they are creatures from another land, and it it just couldn't be more clear. Like London is, you know, one third Muslim and one third da 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 da. Like it's a really obvious parallel. Yeah. And I mean, we're seeing some of that happen even today where, um, well, we're not going to go deep into this, but, you know, Brexit is going on and they've had a, um, basically, Boris Johnson has lost his majority. People are are not happy with the state of affairs. They don't want Brexit and they're deciding that they're not going to just simply go with that. I mean, maybe they want something similar, but they're not going to do it just based off immigration concerns and our town is getting run over and all this kind of crap um i do wonder politically where the show is going i'm really curious about it especially given that the um the main shoot so the, the chancellor's wife kidnapped the son that was fascinating i like I, it kind of was predictable but i was like i mean but I, her doing that was predictable but i don't know where it's going oh you don't understand why she did it right that's well, I'll finish the show so I know, but yeah. Feel free, feel free. I'm really, I'm, I'm gonna watch the show. So, so it was an elaborate way to kind of cover up some stuff that she already did. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so you know how it's two different sides, right? One is more like the left, and one more like the right. Okay. So her husband's rival. She actually had an affair with him. Oh, Lord. So she set it up to make it seem like the rival kidnapped the son. Of course. Uh Uh-huh. Saw that. And so they they wound up taking him, beating him down. And then she actually poisons the guy because she come and give him water, but she poisons it. And then, you know, made it seem like, oh, he told us where the, the son is, right? So she pretty much just took him off the board, but also she wanted to keep. So it's a twofold thing. I feel she wanted to keep her son from going to Carnival Row, mm-hmm. so from him being kidnapped at Carnival Row, and also her telling her husband, "Like, look, we got to get him to you know focus on his studies, so on and so forth." Because like when she was younger, she was told by. A psychic, uh, whatever this 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 wizard lady that that lady who who she had come there and cut up the bear, uh-huh. the, the red woman from Game of Thrones, Melisandre, had pretty much told her that her son was gonna grow to do great things, and so she's just trying to make sure everything goes in the place to where they're actually okay, okay, okay. She pretty much just had this whole elaborate plan set up just for that, but she also like pretty much I don't know. She, she, People try to make fortunes come true always end up needing this fortune <laughs> themselves. All right. 
<laughs> and they wound up not even being a part of it in the end. Yeah, exactly. But come true, you know. Anyway, I guess. I don't know. It was um. There's a lot of things I think this show does right. I didn't like. I I was always thrown off a little bit by the pacing of it, and sometimes not knowing which characters to really focus on. You know, um, one thing that I do like too is that the the Faye, although they are definitely pretty much the victims here, not all of the Faye are good. You know. Oh hell no! I could tell something to go to. Hey. Oh girl, uh, uh, what what's her name? Uh, Piety is that her name? Piety. The one, the one who's in love with uh Vignette. No, Piety is actually the the wife, the the one we was just talking about. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Wait a minute. Who's the one? That's a good I'm name for her too. Talking about um, Tor- Tourmaline. Tourmaline. Hey man, she 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 a backstabber. <laughs> That's because she love um vignette though. I know, man. Now, all right, but all this stuff with Philo is because of her. All of it. In a way, yeah. But yeah, these, all of it might well kind of might. Yes, yes, it is. She ooh. Yeah, but Philo, Philo didn't have to fake his death. He had to, all right, I, but he only did it because of her. I wouldn't listen to my homegirls. I wouldn't listen to my girl's homegirl. He didn't know that. He didn't know she was in love with her. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on here. Like, if you see episode three, like, I was getting upset. Like, I was about to show, like, man, come on, seriously? And then she gonna set him up. That's so messed up. Anyway. I I am into the show. That's his own dumb fault. (laughs) We we just like stuff. (laughs) Even when we kind of don't like stuff, we do like it. I'm gonna finish the show. I'm really like I, I am into it. It's it got some things that um that irked me a little bit, but I'm like I, I can't look away. Like I gotta watch the rest. Yeah, the show the thing the show does is the same thing that Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does, is like whether you like it or not, like there's a lot of stuff to talk about. And it's like deceptively simple. Cause like there's so many layers and there's so many like, wait, what? That you will talk about it the next day, and you will find yourself pulled back to it, whether you want to or not. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm all about it. I recommend watching it. it it's it, it's definitely one I'd say give it a shot. See what you think of it. Um, and you know, if if you even kind of think you like this setting of the show, it's something you'll be into, and and will find some fulfillment from definitely. My wife was like a hard pass on this one. Like I was like, want to watch this, and she was like, nope. And I feel like if you start to watch it, you're probably going to keep watching it. My wife's done. Like, as soon, as soon as she gets some time, it's happening. Like, I, I don't even, it's not even a question. <laughs> not even a question. She's watching all this shit probably, like, in two days. Who, um, Sarah? Of course. You know, this, this is her bag right here. Yeah, that's that's Sarah's thing right there. Like, this is right up her fucking alley. But, I mean, like, it's kind of like, but me. They don't have vampires. If they have vampires, she already would have finished it. But they got vampires. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I've always liked high fantasy. Like, I've been a fan of high fantasy for so long, and I, I kind of like the idea of putting it in this more kind of a, a realistic realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also have, like, a bit of a murder mystery behind it, a little bit of horror in a sense. Because the Dark Hasher, <laughs> that mug looks weird. It looks like, what's it, the Demi, Demi Gorgon? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I get- 
Yeah, they give you a little quick glimpse of it early. So I, I definitely want to see more. It looked like some off Hunter x Hunter, though, this anime. But... It definitely looks like a horse octopus. <laughs> okay, that did not help my my vision board. But uh, so <laughs> if you made it this far, thank you so much. <laughs> probably could call it. It looks like, it looks like a horse octopus. Probably should call it episode. Exactly. Um, Thank you for making it this far. Um, if you got this far, you mean you enjoyed yourself, please share it with a friend. Uh, by it, I mean the pod and the show. Show is dope. Um, also, please check out Shoot This Now. Oh, Tim, by the way, I got a great premise for you, and I have a guest waiting on you for some episodes. So, All, all right, here's the deal with Shoot This Now. We're about to – this is a podcast that I do with the Mrs. Deirdre. We're about to ramp it up in a big way. Uh, when we come back, it will be a much bigger and cooler show than it was before. So I want your friend, and I want your friend's idea, and we are all about it. All right, cool. I'll let my mom know. Yeah! So, yep. Um, oh, you, you have no clue how good these stories will be. So um, with that in mind, uh, we don't know what we're talking about next, but we'll be back next Friday. Look out for us. We'll be there. Uh, follow us also on um, Keith. One more time, the handle for the Instagram. Uh, the Instagram is the Low Key Pod. I always forget to add the D, so thank you for that. The Low Key Pod, find us there. And we'll see y'all on the next hey, one. Hey, whoa, whoa, one more thing. Uh, September is a huge birthday month. October is a huge birthday month. You don't know what to get people. You want some like cool, thoughtful gift that shows that you care, something original and different? You need to go to coffeeandnamaste.com. That's Keith's website. True. Check it out. Coffee and Namaste. Perfect gifts. It. Perfect gifts. What do you bring people for Thanksgiving? You don't have to rush around Thanksgiving Day. Go to Coffee and Namaste now. You'll get it all sorted. Exactly. Appreciate the plug. See that's see that right there. That should let people know that we need advertisers. Like <laughs> how he did that. That was perfect. You know. We yeah, will just give us some background music. Whatever you need, you give us. Just give us like the materials you want, and we'll sell it for you. Gotcha. Man, yeah. I'm about to I'm about to buy something now from my own damn shit. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I'm about to go on my site and buy something now. Just like, I gotta sell, you know what I mean? Oh man. All right. <laughs> well, I'll let y'all in the next one. <laughs>